Welcome to What Should I Do With My Life? Figuring it out from those who seem to have it all figured out. I'm your host, Stephanie Horowitz. When's the last time you stopped and asked yourself, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? Do I even like this? Join me as we hear the inspiring stories of real people to find out what they did and are doing with their lives. Are they satisfied? Would they have done anything differently? Maybe through these stories, we will figure out how to bring more meaning and passion in our day-to-day. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. In this episode, we'll be hearing from a very special person, one of my dearest friends, Ronnie Elkis. Ronnie is a celebrity of the Detroit Jewish community. He's the best. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. He might as well be mayor. And Ronnie will be sharing the story of how he opened up and ran a men's clothing store called The Shirt Box for the past 38 years. Ronnie could sell ice to an Eskimo, and then the Eskimo and Ronnie would become best friends and live happily ever after. That's kind of how this guy works, and you're going to see why very soon. It was just really special to hear about his experiences, the role that people and relationships played in his career. Specifically, we talk a lot about Ronnie's dear friend and business partner, uh, Rod Brown of Blessed Memory, and the impact he had. I would like to dedicate this episode to Rod who is really, really a special, special person and an inspirational one. And you're going to learn more about that a bit later. So let's dive in and we're going to be hearing from Ronnie Elkis. Ronnie? Jeffy! Hello? You see me? (laughs) No, I don't see you, but I hear you. Why don't you see me? I see you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The hostess asked you to start your... Oh, I see myself now. Ah! <laughs> Should we just start? Should we just get into it? Let's get into it, baby. Let's get okay, into it. Not be obnoxious, okay. Baby, who who's going to be obnoxious? Me or you? Me. It's okay if you're we're both a little obnoxious. A little background which you know is that well, I really thought of you when I started thinking about doing this whole thing. Um, because a lot of my friends and sometimes myself, really, I'm thinking, what do I want to be doing with my life? And what do I ultimately want? And what will I do every day that will make me happy? And I was thinking about you because you had a very long, fulfilling career. You recently retired. Uh, You're also one of my besties. And I think we have certain things in common. So I felt like I really wanted to hear more about your story, which I've heard a bit, um, but a bit more diving into it. So I guess we can start off in one sentence. What did you, what did you do? So I opened up at the age of 21, a men's furnishings accessory store, which is like shirts and ties and sweaters, filled haberdasher uh, in 1981 and just closed it just in 2020 in January. So a span of 38 years. So that's insane to me. Like, obviously, you know, with my generation, people are hopping jobs every year, every two years. You were 21. How did you, what inspired this? So it's funny. Sometimes, and this is not going to come out good, sometimes (laughs) college is not so good. Because I didn't realize when I opened up that nine out of 10 business fail in the first year or first two years, whatever. I didn't know that figure. I didn't know that it was like, very unusual that, you know, opening up a store, you're not going to make it. I just did what I thought. I had gotten a job offer working for Marshall Fields in Chicago. And it was an interesting thing too, because 
I think in 1981, I was going to get $10,600 a year. Okay. And I had found an apartment to, to rent and I did all the calculations and I would have to, and this is without having a car, taking public transportation, I would have to borrow every month from my father. And I was like, wow, this is wild. And the other thing is that I remember I had this opportunity, somebody gave me an, my cousin gave me an opportunity to open up the store. So I was really blessed where a lot of people don't start where I started. I, I really, when I look back, I didn't realize all the really incredible things that were given to me kind of on a silver platter. You were just saying that you had gotten the job offer for training for a year. Right. And I had gotten a job offer. And I remember my dad put me on a train. He says, okay, write down all the positive things about going to Chicago and all the negative. And then the same thing with opening up the store. And and at the time I was dealing with my sexuality, I, I wasn't out to my parents and I wasn't out to a lot of people. And that was the only thing that was moving me to Chicago so that I can come out. And I thought, God, that just doesn't make sense. In 1981, things were a lot different in terms of sexuality mm-hmm. and, and acceptance level. So I decided to open up the store. It was a 600 square feet, which I don't know in metrics what that would be, but it was small. It was really, really small store. And I was fortunate enough to get um, a letter of credit for my cousin who is in the business already. Now you gotta understand that also going back a little bit, my family, was really in the business, in the men's mm-hmm. wear business. My great uncle, if you look it up, he designed this zoot suit in the, I think it was 20s or 30s or 40s. It's like that song, Zoot Suit Riot. Right. So he designed I didn't know it. that. Yeah. And my uncle, my uncle started a business in Detroit, had like 14, 15 stores called Todd's. And his son, my cousin, who is actually the next generation, he's 93, still alive, continued with that and then closed that and then opened up other successful businesses. So, so this um, was like in your bones, kind of. It was more than in my bones. Also, my father was a Levi's rep for 31 mm-hmm. years. So, you know, I know that for me, it was always a part of me. And even mm-hmm. in, you know, it's amazing. Like, I would encourage anybody who's in high school to make sure they get a high school job because you really learn so much from your high school job. And I can go into that further, but um, high school jobs are amazing. They really are. They really guide you. So in my high school jobs, I worked at a, a clothing store that was a department store type of thing in, in the suburb of Detroit. And then I worked at a, a family shoe store, family business shoe store for children. And then I worked also at a men's uh, upper, like a nicer men's store, all during high school. So three different places, all different retail and all different experiences, which surprisingly gave me a lot of knowledge. That's crazy. Did you feel pressure? Did you feel like, oh, because this is kind of, everyone in my family is in the retail business that I need to do this, or it was just kind of natural? It was kind of natural. I didn't feel like pressure. And it's interesting, I was thinking about this too, is I remember I always wanted to open up a children's clothing store. Why? And I was thinking about this because I always thought, oh, it'd be great to be a child psychologist. Too much, too much school. I was not. That was <laughs> uh, and then I thought, oh, I'm not going to have kids. Traditional, you know, have a family. Oh, what a perfect idea to have being around kids. And I love kids and stuff like that. So I thought that would be the greatest thing. And then having, the, you know, whatever that didn't work out, but having this was amazing. So having 
38 years and the relationships I've built in those 38 years is just incredible. There's, I mean, we've literally been talking for a few minutes, but there are already so many different things you covered and so many places where you could kind of ask the question, what if, what if, like, what if you went to Chicago? How different would your life look today? Do you ever think about that? I think about that often. And I actually never, I, I, I don't like to use the word never. I try not to say what if, or mm-hmm. could have, should have, would have. And there's plenty of movies that you see that are really interesting that kind of use that. I'll never forget one, <laughs> I was living at, you know, I was living at home because I couldn't afford to move out. And I remember my mom said to me, uh, I came home and a lot of friends didn't live at home because they were all going out to graduate schools. And it was hard. It was hard when you're in your early 20s and meeting people and stuff like that. And my mom said, are you sorry that you didn't move to Chicago? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm never sorry. I'm never, you just make the best of what your situation is. So I never look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done this. Oh, I wish I could have done that. I'm, that's just not my personality. Um, I totally. try to do as much positive and think of it, you know, this is, this is what God has put me in and, and I love what I do and I'll do the best I do. And, and so it's an interesting uh, thing, but I, I kind of never go back and stuff like that. So. Um, don't take offense, but I feel like it's very chutzpahdik and kind of um, ballsy that at such a young age, you were like, yeah, I'm going to open up a store. I mean, what were you thinking? And how did you have self-confidence? You believed enough in, in yourself that you could do it? Like, of course, it sounded like you had tools and experience, but that's a very ambitious endeavor, especially for a very young person. So what were you like at that time? And did you believe in yourself to do it or you were just kind of taking a chance? That's a great question because I don't think I had the confidence, but I really didn't know what I was doing, did not know what I was doing. <laughs> um, and I know that sounds crazy, and, but I knew how to treat a customer because of all my retail experience and of my father being in, you know, in the clothing business. So I had all the basics that were given to me but I didn't think I wasn't gonna succeed. I just, this is my job and, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make the best of it. And you know, I think if you enjoy something, people pick up on it. And, and it's an amazing thing is that I don't think in school, it took me a long, I wasn't great in school, or it would take me a long time to read things or whatever. I felt like people would be blown away that I remember what they bought, what size they were, you know, uh, you know, what occasion, because that was important to me. That was my mm-hmm. passion. That was like my connecting with people. So for me, like, it was always like, oh my God, you're a 15 half 32. Of course, you know, and you like the button down. And they're mm-hmm. like, I don't even know my own size. How do you know? You know, because mm-hmm. that's what I love doing. And I love- It makes them feel special. You make them feel does. seen and special. We always say like, the success of our business was because we were like the cheers of men's retail. We knew everybody's name. Mm -hmm. We knew when they walked into the store, we knew their name. We knew their what likes, their dislikes, their, you know, whatever their, their, their things. We knew when they last time came in and let's face it, people want to be noticed and people want to be recognized. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it's any, that advice I would give to any small business, you know, we're in such a computer age that we don't have those connections. Um, and think about it. 
how many places know your name when you walk into them? Not that many. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's more special than, you, you can't even put the dollar on it, knowing people's names, knowing their desires, knowing their whatever. It's, it's so special. And I'll just speak to it because as an outsider, I mean, it is so true. This was the place to be. The shirt box was the scene and everyone, would you, did people come for the clothes or did people come for you and Rod and the team? I mean, it was just the most fun, energetic, great team of people that you walked in and you just felt like you were at home and it, it was, it was such an enjoyable experience. And even you, as you know, whenever I would come home and visit, I had the best time coming to you, not just because you and I are such good friends, but it was just such good vibes and so enjoyable and so much fun. You have and to I create know, that. You have to create yeah. that. And you know what, what Stephanie, what your listeners don't know is that probably in the Detroit area, we had the most diverse clientele. So uh, probably our clientele was 55% African-American. Um, and I would say uh, the uh, Caucasian majority were Jewish, but not necessarily. And, and we had Chaldeans, and, but it was just, it was a melting pot. And that was something that was a challenge that I loved because I made sure that the staff reflected the, whatever you know, the clientele was. And when you have diversity, you learn so much and you, you open it up. I think uh, key to success is having fun at whatever you do. And, uh, and then it doesn't feel like work if you're having fun. And you know, I have to tell you, Stephanie, that in the 38 years, there was only one day I did not want to come to work, only one day. And that was the day after my business partner, Rod, passed away. Um, he passed on a Friday night. I didn't know what to do. And I said, I have to open up on a Saturday. The funeral is Sunday. But I did open up. And I just remember it was like the longest day. And I hated it. And I didn't want to be there. Um, and that was it. Otherwise, every day was different. Every day was unique. Every day was a conversation. We also used to say, besides we were the cheers, we also were the, the black um, uh, uh, barbershop uh, place. <laughs> because in the black barbershops, it's tradition that you just sit around and you tell stories and you talk and, and stuff like that. So we were the combination of the black uh, barbershops and the, and the chairs, but we didn't I serve alcohol it. and we didn't <laughs> something You did serve alcohol. Well, I would have, okay. Every time I went in, Rod would pour me something. So Rod was, a, Rod was an alcohol pusher. That's for sure. But <laughs> it was really fun. I mean, it was, that's what made it so much fun. It's I'm, Glad you brought that up about staying motivated and coming in every day because I was going to ask you about, you know, what keeps you motivated coming in every day to the same store. So it sounds like you were just so passionate and energized by the people. And I'm just wondering, I mean, you're a very energetic, extroverted person. We both get a lot of energy off of other people, but we have bad days. And when you're moody and you go into the store, but you have to turn it on, what was that like for you? I mean, that that's hard. Sometimes you don't want to be around people and then you have to kind of be engaging and be excited and be personable. And what was that like if you, you ever know, had to do it? That was actually sometimes the best challenges. And, and it's interesting because I used to love when I would wait on somebody and they'd kind of be cold and distant. And then my goal was just to have them love me and just smile at the end. So I loved that challenge. And to me, that was like the best thing ever. And it's hard, you know, yeah, sure there are times that you're not motivated, you don't want to do it. Um, and, and 
you always have to remember that people come with different baggage. You know, they might have just come in the store and they just might have, and they might be coming for shopping for a funeral. You have to mm-hmm. respect that. You have to you have to really sense a lot of nonverbals. You have to really be, you know, listening mm-hmm. to what they want. And and it's so interesting because I was thinking about this that that we're all salespeople. So I always get a kick out of this is that um, people who graduate college say, oh, I don't want a sales job. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know of any job that's not sales because mm-hmm. every job is it has an aspect of being a salesperson. Or just interviewing for a job is selling yourself. Yourself, yeah. But it's, I could sell stuff. I have this thing where I don't know if other people have it, but I can probably <laughs> go into any store and start waiting on somebody. And I could get the lay of the land really quick and I can help somebody. When did you realize you could do that? Because I think nine times out of 10, if I ask a friend or someone on the street, do you think you could sell these neckties to these people over there? They would say, absolutely not. So what made you know, I can do this. I can sell this. People are going to buy from me. I, I think it, it comes with age. I really mm-hmm. do. I think what I've said that at 21, I don't think so. Okay, so there's a great story. If you don't, can I just share this one quick great story that I love? So my great uncle, by then he was probably in his 70s or 80s, was in visiting Las Vegas. And, uh, the, and he was a major salesman. He did not, if somebody walked out of the store, there's, he was all upset you, with nothing. You know, you always had to buy something. So he was in, he was vacationing in Las Vegas and he went into a men's store just because he wanted to see what it was like. And the guy, this guy walked out, started walking out with nothing in his hand. And my uncle said, what's the matter? You can't, nothing, you don't have anything. My uncle proceeded to sell him like two suits and all this other stuff. And the owner was blown away. And, And they created this friendship after that. But I do think that you get it. I, and I don't know, like I said, it might be with age, but I can literally do that. And I think anybody has the potential to do that. Um, well, I think a lot of people are not so comfortable doing it. Like some people that feels, oh, I don't want to be pushy. I feel like it's a fine line. You don't want to be pushy. I mean, from a consumer side of someone walking into the shop, you want someone to kind of pay attention to you and notice you and say, hey, how are you? Can I help you? What are you looking at? But also you don't want someone breathing down your neck. Right. There are definitely clues that, actually there's a lot of nonverbal clues that you can read when you look at people and suggest something to them. And so you have to pick up on that. You really have to be, you know, I I know there are people who can't pick up on that and I totally understand that. Uh, But you have to pick up on those nonverbals and you have to give them a choice, an A Mm -hmm. and a B. And mm-hmm. and it, and then they and then they feel like it's a it's a partnership where we're doing this together versus me telling them what to do. I always felt like I wanted always a partnership with my customers. Um, I never wanted to tell them you had to wear this because say if they didn't like it or they didn't feel good in it, then they blame me. But if they like approved of it, then it was our choice. You know the other thing, Stephanie, that I'm, I'm probably jumping around a little bit. But one of my things, and you know this, is community service. So yes, um, I definitely wanted the store to have was it such an down. incredible, yeah. The store was such an incredible source of community service. So that was my passion, and it's amazing how many things we could do um, 
with community service. And, you know, I could start naming off things that we did, but to me, those are things that made it so worthwhile, so uh, different, so giving back to the community. Give uh, a few examples of what oh, you sure. did. So one of the, the, one of the best things that we were just blown away with the, the results, because we didn't know how, there's a, there's a wonderful organization called Back Alley Bikes, in Detroit. And what they do is they, if the kids are under seven years old, they give the bike for free. If they're seven to 13 or 14, they, they give them for free, but they have to, they have to be trained and they have to learn how to responsible for a bike. Right. So, um, so we decided to have a collection of bikes. Well, I can't tell you how many bikes we've got. The first time we did it, I, we were the largest delivery of donated bikes. We filled up three big, um, it was us and another business that did it. Um, they're like big trucks that put cars in it. And there must oh have been gosh. three, 400 bikes, you oh know, probably a hundred bikes per truck. Um, that was an amazing thing. We did at one time, it was for a neighborhood service organization, NSO, also something uh, based in Detroit. It was for people to come shopping with dignity um, so what it was is it was a closet. It's, it was a men's closet. There's many women's closet, but there aren't a lot of men's closet. But we started collecting clothes and we started collecting clothes. And oh my God, we got beautiful clothes and we were able to give it to them and they created the store. And what was so great about them is that they opened up to other nonprofits. So you know, they could have invited Jewish Vocational Service. They could have invited all these other people and they were able to shop with dignity. I, I, so it's so unique that you had your own platform to do that. Like you could be creative and you could incorporate your other passions into your day to day in the business. I don't think sure. a lot of people can do that. No, but I think people can. I think there are ways in any business that it's really important to give back. And I think that a lot of corporations, they're stressing that now more so than ever before, just to give back to the community. And, and you know, it might be a day of volunteering once a month. It could be whatever. Uh, but there are so many ways that. And let's face it, you know, on my grave, it's not going to say, you know, I worked at the Sherbox for 38 years. It might be saying something like, you know, whatever, philanthropic, whatever. And those are things that I want people to remember me as. Yeah, this was great. But I also everyone, wanted... everyone listening needs to just know that Ronnie is the gem of the Detroit Jewish community. He knows everyone. Everyone loves him. You need to know. You need to know who this guy is. So if you don't know him yet, he's a, learned, a a master connector, schmoozer, and the biggest heart. He's also my travel buddy. So for those of you who don't know, we have gone together, just the two of us, yes, to a few places like Berlin and Prague and Vienna, and he's visited in Israel. Um, this is a very special person we have on the line. You didn't really have a boss from when you started working in your early 20s. Is that true? Would you basically say your entire career, you kind of were your own boss? Yes and no. I truly believe that all my customers were my bosses. And I know that sounds really weird, but it's a different kind of a boss. Um, and uh, I think that you could take it either way. You know, like if somebody didn't like anything I did that I took a personal, you know, whatever. So yes, um, I, I traditionally know I didn't have a boss, but I do feel like there were my fellow workers, my, my, uh, my customers, they're all my boss, if that makes sense. I don't know if that does. 
It does. I get what you mean. Is that a very non-traditional way? And you worked, there was a certain period of time that you were working with your dad on the store. Well, that was probably the best thing. So yeah, my dad is a major salesman. My dad, I mean, in his heyday, could work a floor like no other business. I mean, he could work one, two, three, four customers. I mean, he was amazing. And they all loved him uh, when he was working. And it's so funny because we were just reminiscing last night about, um, and he, I could tell he gets all excited when we reminisce about the store. And he identified with all the African-American customers and loved waiting on them and they loved him back. And there was a certain thing, you know, that he has and, and everybody would call him Pops. And, you know, and he would just, oh my God, amazing salesman, amazing. So I was lucky enough, especially at the beginning, my dad helped me out a lot at the very beginning. And, and uh, you, know, you learned a lot from him. I did, I did, you know, because it was always, you know, it, it's so interesting. It's a really, you learn so much from different people. Um, so if I can share something with you, which I learned, so through my father, uh, because he was an old school salesman, you waited on a customer like, boom, like you were on them and you didn't let them walk out. And that was old school. And I learned also from my African-American employees that you don't hover over people or African-American customers. You really, it's, it's, it's something that they taught me that they feel that, um, people might think that they're stealing. And I totally, it was hard for me to justify my dad because he really was about one-on-one -on -one waiting on somebody. And then the other thing is that how people are perceived. And mm -hmm. I understand both, you know, and it's mm -hmm. that fine line that you have to respect and, and it's hard. So you really learn. If you listen and you look, look you really learn different things. And, um, and how I adjusted was kind of like, how do I want to be treated? You know, and that's kind of like, when I walk in the store, do I want to be acknowledged? Damn right, I want to be acknowledged. I'm spending money here. I want to be acknowledged. And I used to say, and I used to- Like in money. Pretty Woman. Right, <laughs> You know, right. Pretty Woman, when she walks in, they're like, we need a lot of sucking up here. Right, and you do, and you need to say hello. You know, I used to teach the, I, I had wonderful high school employees. I said, they're walking into our house. You say hello to somebody, you know? If you don't say hello, then- what that's not that's not how you were raised you know so it's our house and you need to say hello if i teach you one thing that's the, that you have to be say hello to everybody and that's really important and you'd be surprised how many stores that you go into and nobody says hello to you or, totally well i live in a place where customer service does not exist in any form so i totally get it <laughs> um i wanted to know if you remember your first sale and what that so, felt like <laughs> so so funny because I just saw the dollar. So I remember my first dollar because we weren't open yet, but we were connected to this tailor shop. And the guy's name is Gene Sophia, Sophia, S-O-F-I-A. And he came back through the back way through the tailor shop and wanted to spend money. And we weren't even open yet. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so like, you know, I was nervous and everything like that. And he's okay, this is the first dollar. So I'm going to sign my name. And I just happened to see it just yesterday. So it's just where is it? It's up. Uh, yeah. It, it, like, luckily it made the flood. It was whatever. <laughs> it's, oh it, it was <laughs> whatever. It was kind of in, in a picture frame in the picture frame. The makeup of the 
dollar bill I took out. What so, did he buy for a dollar? I had no, I, I oh no, he didn't buy anything for a dollar. But he, just he gave, gave me a dollar <laughs> and he signed his name on it because he says, This is gonna be your first dollar. You know, and I was like, oh, oh, this is so great. I love it. What did it feel like for you when you helped dress someone and fit them and they came out feeling great or looking great? What was that like? So remember prior, I said to you, one of my favorite things is to convert a customer into a friend almost. I also loved, loved working at, working with young people because unfortunately older people um, are kind of set in their ways and, or they tie a certain knot the certain way and they won't change. With young people, you can kind of mold them and you can kind of educate them and they're really thirsty for that. So I used to love like teaching them how to tie a tie and you know, what goes with what. So that was like the best, you know, um, some, you know, yeah, older people were fun too. Um, but, um, but really I loved younger people that you could just share and, and, and teach knowledge and, and they would be, they'd soak it up. And then, you know, they'd come back and people would come back 10 years later. Oh my God. You know, you dressed me for my prom and I'm like, Oh wow. You're making me feel old because you know, that was you do the life cycle events for people. You do the wedding and then it's two, three generations. Yeah, it was really crazy because we could see three generations. I remember mm-hmm. when, when we were closing the store, um, it, it really actually touched me. I almost started to cry because I remember he said to me, God, I really wanted to bring my grandson in for you to you know, educate him. And I was like, dang, that really made me feel. Another customer I remember said, you know, you were there for my, my, uh, my engagement, my wedding, my son's birth. And now you're leaving? Like, you know, and I was like, okay, sorry. Yeah. And then, you know, I closed in January and then the coronavirus hit. So I was like, oh my the God. The timing is insane. Yeah, the timing that. is insane. But before we get into that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know you've dressed like my Papa Morton and my dad and my brothers, probably for someone's wedding, all of them are wearing shirt box ties. My family obviously would hit up the store very frequently. Did you ever think about opening a chain or opening more stores? I'm thinking like the gut feeling is you want that people interaction. So you weren't necessarily able to do that if you were managing multiple stores. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) that never motivated me. And it's so funny because people always say, oh, you should open a second store, do a chain, do a... uh," And that just did not motivate me at all. I didn't want to be behind uh, and doing paperwork. And I really wanted to be waiting on the customers. To me, that was the best thing. By far, that was my favorite thing when I look back on the job. I just, um, I didn't think, also for me, money wasn't a major motivator. It's a motivator, but it's not a major motivator. I also didn't think that because you opened up a second store or third store, that that created more profit mm-hmm. um, and uh, so the combination no it never it really never did it for me I just it just uh, yeah you know it just it didn't speak to me it's such a it's retail is known for being such a hard industry and I'm wondering if there were really times where you wanted to quit or you were just like oh my god I can't do this or 
I mean, this is very challenging. And as you just said, you know, you closed down right before Corona hit and that's just a whole other ball game and e-commerce and selling online versus really coming into the store and supporting local businesses. And I'm just wondering if you want to share some of the challenges you faced in retail and how did you get through it? So I can't go on without with this interview without mentioning how lucky I was um, to have incredible people that I worked with. One being I hired, he, I, I knew him since he was eight years old, but I hired him when he was 16. That was Rod, who later on became my business partner. And, um, and I think this is a really important lesson um, is that there were challenging times for me. There were definitely times where I did not want to go on. Before Rod came, Rod was, you know, 15, 17 years ago. So there was a period of, you know, a couple of years where, yeah, it was really challenging. I didn't have, I had a wonderful person who was my second lead, you know, great manager, whatever. And she left. It was, uh, it was definitely a challenge and it was a lot. And then Rod came along. So Rod, knowing him since he was eight years old, he worked for me when he was 16. He had that salesmanship. But what's interesting is that he was working as an attorney. Mm -hmm. But he always said to his parents, I love the retail business. I love this. And they said, no, why don't you become an attorney? And you could always fall back on it. And I think that's a really important lesson because he really did not enjoy being an attorney. He loved being at the store. He loved selling. And the store was him as the store was me. Um, mm -hmm. And he created this whole nother energy that I was able to go on for the next 17 years. But the lesson is, is that he chose to work in the store, to be my partner, a financial from being an attorney. It was definitely a lot less money, but he needed that happiness. And he wanted that happiness. And that's a great lesson to learn that, you know, um, you could be having a really high paying job and not enjoy what you're doing. So uh, other lawyers would come in and say, oh my God, I'm so jealous. You're happy. I'm envious. I don't like what I'm doing. And I felt like he was a therapist, you know, you know, saying, hey, you could change your job and do something that you enjoy. You might not make as much money. And, and when you think about it, he died at such a young age, 51 years old, but for the last 15 years, he was happy in his career and he loved coming to work and he loved schmoozing. And it was like meant for him. So how lucky was he that he followed his dreams and yeah. he, and, and so literally he saved my ass and I saved his ass. And we mm -hmm. had this mutual love. And you know, as a partner, I could not have had a better partner. We never signed any documents, and here's an attorney. Um, we did everything by word of mouth, by handshake. Um, his family became my family, um, vice versa. You know, I would not be, I would not be, this interview would not happen if I didn't mention Rod and what an important uh, person he was in my life. We signed, uh, when we signed a lease, it was a three and a half year lease. We didn't want to do a five year lease. And I said, you know, Rod, I'm going to be 60. You know, I think I want to, you know, slow down. He says, if you retire, I'm retiring. I'm like, you're going to be 53 years old. You're not <laughs> 52 years old. You're not going to retire. 
And, and he says, yeah, 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 I don't want to do this without you. And I'm like, I don't want to do it without you either. And, uh, and we fed off each other, you know, it was really, it was such a beautiful brotherly relationship that I had with him. And anybody who knew Rod loved him and cared about him and just, uh, so yeah. So yeah, there are times when it didn't feel so good, but I try not to focus in on that. And I really think about Rod and I think about how much he changed. The, I feel like Rod and you, the two of you together, it was like a superpower. It was this force. I mean, both of you are just extremely magnetic personalities, very charismatic schmoozers, people. I mean, something very, very special. I mean, I don't think anyone would ever say, oh, the shirt box is a, a men's retail store. I mean, I don't think you would ask anyone, any one of your clients, no one would say that. It was just, it was so much more. I mean, it was family and laughs and just fun. And it was so like genuine and wholesome and just good times. And I'm really happy you brought all that up about Rod because it's so true. And especially in, you know, the, this kind of podcast where we're talking about how so many people don't know what to do with their lives or they're maybe went to law school, they're lawyers now and they're miserable. And a lot of people aren't brave enough to step out of it and to make the decision to get the pay cut, go a different route. And Rod in the middle of his life did that. And it's extremely brave. And then, and he flourished and he was amazing at it. And, you know, I think it is a really inspiring. Yeah. I think Rod's story is what your podcast is all about. Totally. And if I didn't hear all the lawyers that were coming in, I was blown away by people that they just did not like their job or whatever. And, you know, it's so funny because I always liked my job. You know, I just always, you know, it was always different. Every day was different. Every, you know, person, conversation, who you got to know um, was always different. Um, so. That's so special. I mean, that's a gift. You're truly blessed. So I feel like not a lot, not many people can say that. And obviously, of course, we know that not everyone's privileged enough to be able to choose the career path. Some people have to work a job because they have to put the food on the table and yeah. It's truly, I mean, it's a dream. Basically, at least for me looking at you, it's like, wow, Ronnie, your life is a dream and so lucky that you could go in every day and feel so fulfilled. I mean, that's, it's amazing. And now you're kind of moving on to the next chapter. So when did you realize that it was time to move on? I'm sure it was a lot of emotion. So do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. It was, a, it was a lot of emotions. I was still, and still am, dealing with Rod's death um, because he was like a brother. Um, and, you know, when you spend five days, 40 hours a week, sometimes that's more than your significant other. And uh, I remember we used to go to these clothing shows and I had the best time with him. And we would, that's all we do is laugh the entire time. And he pick on me, I'd pick on him. It was back and forth. It was so much fun. And I remember going to a show, a clothing show, and I hadn't made the decision, quite the decision yet. I thought I was leaning towards retiring and closing the store. And uh, it was, and I hated, like everybody would look at me and give me the stare, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Or, you know, or wanted to talk about Rod's death or 
whatever, all the salespeople who I hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. And it was like, leave me alone. You know, I just, I, I got to get my work done. And, mm -hmm. uh, and going to the shows after Rod passed away was not fun. was not yeah. good. I hated it actually. And um, so it was the second day of the show and it was in Chicago and I called up my friend uh, and I said, pick me up right now. I'm through. I don't mm -hmm. want to do this anymore. And so that was in August and it's the lease was ending in April. So whatever, nine months from now. And I thought to myself, when's the best time to close? And the best time to close or best, your best quarter is fourth quarter, which is October, November, December. And we closed, uh, we closed for a couple of days to restock everything in October, November, December, and then January, we went out and, you know, I was very fortunate with the lease and everything like that. But it was once I made the decision, I felt good about the decision. Again, it's one of those things that I don't believe that would have, could have, should have, mm -hmm. you know, um, you can't go through life like that. If I could describe it like this, it was like, I was alive, but everybody was giving me their eulogy or their, their wonderful thoughts about me and about the store and about the, the relationships mm -hmm. that we had. So I was able to benefit and I was able to get energy from all of these wonderful words that people were sharing. And it was all on my terms. It was always, mm -hmm. it was all like, I'm closing. It's not like I have to be closed. I'm doing it on my own. And it's so funny too, Stephanie, is that I remember meeting with my financial planner years and years ago, and it was 60 years old was like the goal and, and everything like that. And here I am 60 now and I'm like, wow, you know, I can't believe it. And, and, um, but the, the, the accolades and the people, I mean, I got gifts. I've got, you know, people are so kind. People are really kind. And, and I was benefiting from that. And it, it kept me going for, you know, it was, it was hard. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of, you know, whatever. Yeah, you were I, you know, I had to stay focused, which is not one of my strong points is staying focused. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, and people were kind. Yeah. So it was just, uh, it, and now it's a different chapter. It's a new chapter. And I'm not really sure what that looks like. Um, you know, I'm doing a little volunteer work here and there. Um, I'm cycling, I'm gardening, I'm cleaning up my house. Um, but, uh, you know, there's something else that I want to do. I'm not sure what it is. A huge thing you really talked about that's just so obvious from this whole conversation is the importance of relationships and relationship building and connecting with people. And that's what drove you in having a business partner who is your best friend, who you said Rod energized you. And I think that's just so important. I think that's a great message for people who might not necessarily know what they want to do. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we're all humans and we need connection and that's something to consider. Um, we all get energy in different ways, but I think that, and I'm sure you would agree that your career was so meaningful and amazing because you impacted the lives of so many people and you were impacted by the lives of so many people. I mean, you really have you, you're the most popular person I know. Anyone, everyone listening, Ronnie is so popular, puts up a post, 700 likes. I mean, stuff like that. And Only when I put my father on. He's not a millennial and he's getting those kind of likes. We, we used to have a contest where we'd put up the same picture of the two of us and see who would get more likes. He always won. Um, but it's amazing. Like, honestly, it's amazing. You have such an amazing story and 
You're such a special, special human. And I love you so much. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited for your next chapter. And I know that after this Corona passes, we'll get to travel more together and do more things together. And that'd be awesome. It's just amazing. You're the best. Thank person. you. Thank you. And I, you know, I think the world of you, I adore you. And we all have passions. We just have to figure out what they are. That's the hardest part, right? That is the hard part, right? But we'll figure it out. Amen. Yay. Anything else? Thanks, Ronnie. Thank you. Love A you. Pleasure. Love you too. Take care. Say hello to Itai for me. I Bye. will.